0: What is grace? The acronym for grace seems to answer the question quite well. God's riches at Christ's expense. But there's much more to that answer, grace. And we'll take a look at it next on Graceful Truth. Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Hi and welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Well today we continue our series on the five solas looking at sola gratia or grace alone. And why is it important for us to understand this? Well to understand the answer to that we need to understand why grace is so amazing to begin with which is what we'll do today. Here's Pastor Steve.
1: Very clearly, the the heart is deceitful. He says, above all things. Well, who can change that? Only God can. God has to transform us. So in short, without Jesus, we're sinful, lost, helpless, hopeless, doomed. We're damned to hell forever and ever. That's what the Bible says. And you know what? There's nothing in us worth saving. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And you know what? If God doesn't do something, we're in big trouble because we will not be saved. And that's the true condition of every man, every woman born on this planet. And it kind of paints a bleak picture. But that's what's so wonderful about God's grace. Because what does the Bible say about God's grace? Well, the Bible teaches us that God's grace is part of his basic character. See, it's not something that he just adds to himself. No, it's who he is. We serve a gracious God. He could no more be ungracious than he could be unjust. It's part of his attributes. It's who he is as a being. And because God is gracious, because God does willfully give his grace, give good things to those who don't deserve it, Because he's gracious and the human race is sinful. You have to understand that grace must always come from where? It has to come from above. It's not going to come from within you. It's not going to come from someone by you. It's going to come from above. It starts with God. And it comes rolling down to man like a mighty ocean and overwhelms his soul. Please understand, grace never starts with mankind. It always starts with God. It has to. It comes down from him, and it reaches out to us where we are. And that's why grace is free. There's no, we don't have to pay anything for it. We hear that term sometimes, and it's confusing. We hear the term free grace. You ever heard that? Well, I think it's a redundant term. Because grace in and of itself is free. If grace isn't free, guess what? It's not grace. If God somehow says, "Well, you know what? I want to I want to save you by my grace." But <laughs> guess what? You got to do this, you got to do that, you got ah, that's not grace. If you have to pay for it or you have to do anything to earn it, Or you have to somehow deserve it. Or even if you have to do something later on to prove that you really have it. That's not grace at all. Grace is free. To us, it costs us nothing. That's why Ephesians 2.8.9 says that it's a gift of God. It's not from us, lest we boast about it. Grace is the reason why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. John 3.16, for God what? So love the world. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son. It doesn't say he charged us for his only begotten son. It says he gave his only begotten son. I think some Christians today have this in their mind, even in the back of their mind. Somehow they feel that God was obligated to send Jesus into the world to save us, that he had to do it. See, the only obligation God has is to act consistent with his own nature. That's the only obligation he has. And see, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because you know what? That's the kind of God he is. He's a gracious God. He wants us to know him. He wants us to grow in our relationship with him. Not only does he save us by grace, but he keeps us saved by grace. He gives us more grace each and every day. So what's the difference? What does this what does this mean for us practically? Does this make any difference? By grace alone. Well, first of all, it destroys all human self-confidence, which may be not a happy message for you. Because we live in such a age today, in such a society, it's all about what? Self-confidence, it's all about self-esteem. It's all about self-worth, my rights. We hear about this over and over and over again. I don't know how else to say this, but other than to just say, you know what? In the biblical sense, there is no such thing as self-esteem or self-confidence. In the biblical sense. Instead, the Bible teaches us to have what? God-esteem. To have confidence in who? To have confidence in God. Now, I know that we kind of make that a gray area. But the Bible says that apart from God... There's no firm ground for self-esteem or self-confidence. This past week they had the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. And I was watching it. And Rear Admiral Barry Blake, I believe his name is, the chaplain for the Senate, got up and delivered the keynote message. And if you have an opportunity, go online if you haven't heard it yet. And he listened to his message. Amazing message. Very Christ-exalting. As a matter of fact, he ended his message with part of this hymn. He says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus name and he went on to proclaim what that hymn says on Christ the solid rock I stand and I'm thinking am I watching this I mean this is the national prayer breakfast you know where where's everybody else who's going to get up and kind of give their two cents it wasn't Christ was proclaimed boldly and I thought wow what a blessing that is see outside of Jesus there is no hope Outside of Jesus, there's no ground for any lasting self-confidence at all. The Bible, or the the hymn says, all other ground is what? Sinking sand. Have you ever been in sinking sand? I mean, it's fun for a couple minutes, but then, you know, when the sinking sand gets up around your ankles, you get get a little panicky. You're thinking, wow, this is kind of tough to get out of. It can be kind of scary. So... This basically takes away all human confidence. Secondly, God's grace frees us from having to win God's favor. Have you ever thought about that? When you come to Christ, you know, even if you uh, you know, when you come to Christ and God saves you and you're part of the, 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 the the body of Christ, and do you realize that you don't have to do anything to continue to earn God's favor? that you already have God's favor. You don't have to win God's favor. You already have it. I mean, think about it. When, you know, when you joined the football team, when you were in high school or the baseball team or whatever, I mean, maybe you were, you know, the first pick, but you know what? If you didn't play, (laughs) right, what happened? You did not stay in favor with everybody. I'm sure a lot of people were upset with, uh, Curry's missed layoffs last night. Phenomenal player. Basic shot. But I was told he missed it. Okay. You can be the best of the best, but you know what? You have to continue to stay there. You have to continue to earn it. See, it's not that way with salvation. Because God is gracious. We don't have to do things in order to make him gracious. Isn't that a wonderful truth? See, that liberates us, that sets us free from that endless cycle of of trying to do more, do more, to try to earn God's favor. And maybe if I just do enough, I'll pacify God somehow. See, grace means that God loves us eternally, and he showers his kindness upon us indefinitely. So we don't have to win God's favor, we already have it. If we're under His grace. Thirdly, God's grace enables us to serve God without fear. Have you ever thought, well, you know, I'm just not praying enough. Oh, I'm not studying my Bible enough. I'm not witnessing enough. I'm not serving enough. I need to do more because I got to make God happy. That's a lie. Not that we don't want you to serve more. Not that we don't want you to study your Bible more, pray more, do all those things. All those things are good things. But you don't do those things in order to earn God's favor. See, that's what I call falling into the the performance mode of Christianity. Christianity. You've got to act a certain way. You've got to uh, be a certain way. You, you, you have to play the part. Because if we don't, well, God will somehow be mad at us. See, grace allows us to serve God without fear. If it wasn't for the grace of God, trust me, I would never do what God has called me to do. Never. I, I wouldn't take a chance. Because I thought, wow, you know, just one little mess up, God's going to squash me like a bug or whatever. But when you come to the throne of grace and you realize, you know what? We're all in this together. We're all serving the same God. His grace is sufficient for all of us. It allows us to serve God without fearing that somehow we're not doing enough. And it allows our proper motivations for serving him. To be right and not wrong. The last thing we want is a bunch of people serving Christ within our church. Doing it out of guilt. We don't want that. God doesn't want that. We want people that want to serve Christ and serve God not out of fear. But because he's blessed them with salvation. And they can't help but serve him. Because they realize that God even before the foundation of the world prepared good works for us to do. Once we were saved, see, if you fall into that performance mode of Christianity, please know that that will never make you happy because you'll never be able to do enough. You'll never be able to do enough. On the other hand, if you understand that God accepts you on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for you, then you know what? You can kind of relax. Because you know that God looks at you like a little child. He's pleased with you. He isn't up there trying to figure out ways to mess you up and, you know, break you down. He wants to build you up. He wants to bless you. Well, the fourth thing grace does, grace takes the pressure off in our witnessing. What do I mean by that? It takes the pressure off. God's grace takes the pressure off us when we witness. I went to a college that taught the whole evangelism explosion thing. And so you learned all these techniques of how you share the gospel. And then when they ask a question, you divert it back to this. And if you can get them to pray this little prayer at the end of the little track, then you've succeeded. And you put that little check on your thing and you go back to the camp. How many did you say? Well, I say five. You know, How many guys did you get to pray the prayer? And it was, it was purely guilt. And it wasn't anything to do with the grace of God. You were trying to talk people into something, almost like I use car salesmen. And you know what? When I came to understand God's grace, when I came to understand that that even affects the way that we witness, when someone at the coffee shop brings up the subject of a spiritual nature, I don't feel the necessity to close the deal. I just let the conversation naturally go forth. And it gives me the opportunity to say, well, why are you asking this question? And they get to know me a little bit better. And then we begin to eventually get around to answering their question. Sometimes they respond affirmatively. Sometimes they don't. But you know what? It doesn't bother me. Because I'm under God's grace. It's God's job, beloved, to save the lost. That's his job. We don't save people. God does. And I think the... the, the sooner we understand that basic truth the easier we'll sleep at night now we should be zealous for souls the bible says that he who wins souls is wise we should shed tears for the lost we should make appeals we should be fervent in our preaching with urgency in our heart to call men and women and children to repentance before a holy god but in the end we can't change the human heart that's a work of God. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. Now, grace alone is not a popular doctrine today. It's never been popular with unregenerate men. Yet it's entirely biblical because no one can be saved without God's grace. Our salvation depends entirely on God. You contribute nothing. To your salvation. Even your faith is a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says. By grace you have been saved through faith. And then it says. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Notice those three words in that verse. The first part of the verse. Grace saved faith. Then you notice that word this. In the second part. Well what's this talking about? Is it grace? Is it saved? Is it faith? What is it? The answer is yes. It's all three. Because grace is not of yourself. Salvation is not of yourself. And you know what? Even the faith to believe is not of yourself. Martin Luther put it in a very colorful way this way. He says, God creates faith in the human heart the same way that he created the world. He found nothing and created something. Sometimes we sing that old hymn, Rock of Ages. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. A fowl I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Notice that line, nothing in my hand I bring. That's why we need grace alone. We come to a holy God with empty hands or we don't come at all we need God's grace because without it our hands will always be empty and so we see how these five solas begin to mesh together because it's on the basis of the Bible alone that we know that our salvation is in Christ alone and that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone I said earlier doesn't God want good people in heaven no He wants bad people in heaven. That's why he sent a Savior. Romans 4 5 says, Now to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. See, God saves people who give up trying to save themselves. That's who is truly saved. I remember hearing the gospel message thinking, wow, okay, there's something I got to do here. There's something. Well, there's nothing I could do. And it wasn't until God touched my heart and showed me my own sinfulness that I cried out for the Savior to save me. God saves people who give up trying to save themselves, but God saves the ungodly, listen, while they are still ungodly. Do you understand that? We fight against that. Sometimes we think that only God wants these good people in heaven. So what do we try to do? We try to spend our lives trying to be good enough to get there. God doesn't want good people in heaven. He wants bad people in heaven. So that by saving bad people, he can demonstrate the greatness of his grace and his love and his forgiveness for us. So many times we think, well, you know what? We need to clean up our act, and then God will save us. Or we even think that God is saving. You know what? Saying this, I'll clean, I'll clean up your act, and then I'll save you. Well, the Scriptures doesn't indicate that he says anything like that. He says something entirely different. He says, I'll save you while you are still dirty. And then I'll help you clean up your act. God says, while you're still dirty, while you're still sinful, I'll give you the righteousness of my own son, Jesus Christ. See, that's what justification is all about. That's what grace is all about. God is giving us his son's righteousness, even though we don't deserve it. Even though we're steeped in our sin. And when you come to Christ still dirty and unclean, not only does he save you, but he begins that inner process of sanctification. And he cleanses you from the inside out. I think sometimes that we forget from whence we were saved. God wants us to understand clearly that it's only by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not of works lest any man should boast. It's a free gift of God. Father, we pray this morning if there's any here who have yet to put their faith, their trust in Christ alone, by grace alone. That you would move, that you would work, that you would minister as only you can. Draw them to the Savior. Show them their need. Show them their inability to save themselves. Show them their own worthlessness before a holy God. That we can only cry out to you, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. When we conclude that we're a sinner and we're in need of God's mercy, then we are at a point in time where we can ask God to save us. Because then and only then will we understand his grace. The idea that he will give us something that we will never deserve. His forgiveness through Christ. As believers, Lord, I pray we would leave this this building today with that message on our lips knowing that when we share the gospel, when we live the gospel amongst a lost and dying world, that we can be a picture of God's grace to them. That even within our families, we can be a picture of God's grace to one another, the way we speak to one another, the way we treat one another. Lord, we ask that you would move and work in our hearts. Draw us closer to you. like you in every way. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
0: And this is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. To contact us for a copy of today's program, or if you have questions about our broadcast, you can reach us at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Or visit us on the web, gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. And you can listen to the program again if you'll go to our website and download the podcast. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, come by and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. All the details can be found at gracebibleonline.org or by calling 650-366-9923. And again, friend, we'd love to hear from you, so call us today, 650-366-9923, or write to us, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, 94061 is our zip code. Until next time, God bless.